to the gospel again as we get into the book of Acts. And we are going to begin today by having a look at this video. It's hard to shake off a mother's influence. John Newton's earliest memories were of his godly mother who, despite fragile health, devoted herself to nurturing his soul. At her knee, he memorized Bible passages and hymns. Though she died when he was about seven, he later recalled her tearful prayers for him. After her death, John alternated between boarding school and the high seas. At times, he sought to live a Christian life through his own efforts, but his resolve always collapsed and he went deeper into sin. Pressed into service with the British Navy, he deserted, was captured, and after two days of suspense, was flogged. His subsequent thoughts vacillated between murder and suicide. I was capable of anything, he recalled. More voyages, dangers, toils, and snares followed. It was a life unrivaled in fiction. Then on the night of March 9, 1748, John, then 23, was jolted awake by a brutal storm that descended too suddenly for the crew to foresee. The next day in great peril, he cried to the Lord. Concerning that day, he later wrote, the 10th of March is a day much remembered by me and I have never suffered it to pass unnoticed since the year 1748. The Lord came from on high and delivered me out of deep waters. The next several years saw slow, halting spiritual growth in John. He left the life of a sailor and found work as a dock worker in Liverpool. Encouraged by his godly wife, Mary, he began studying Hebrew and Greek and preparing for the ministry. At 39, he was ordained and appointed to the Anglican Church in Olney, England. In the end, John Newton became one of the most powerful evangelical preachers in British history, a powerful foe of slavery and the author of hundreds of hymns. He wrote with incredible insight, yet his words were simple enough even for children. In 1779, he was appointed rector of St. Mary Woolnoth, a quaint church in the heart of London's financial district. Late in life, when his health was failing, he told his closest friend, William J. My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great savior. And they sang one of the final verses of his most famous hymn, the earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine. But God who called me here below shall be forever mine.
sermon in this first section in our series from the book of Acts. It's been entitled, The Gospel Going Global. Sorry to interrupt you, Pastor. Oh, I can't do any more. of our series. Uh, We are going to head in next week into our Christmas series. Uh, It's a a great series where we're looking at in the neighbourhood and how Christmas is to be an influence in people's lives today. Uh, So we're looking forward to that. How are we going now? I'm on. I'm on. If you haven't uh, picked up already, we are into God's grace today. Uh, Everything that we've been looking at thus far is all about the grace of God. And so today's message, God's gospel by grace alone. We're into Acts chapter 15. It's all part of the Jerusalem Council. And the key verse we're looking at here today, verse 11, Peter declares, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved and I hope you can say an exclusive amen to that this morning. So after nearly 12 months away, Paul and Barnabas, they've completed their first missionary journey. They return to Antioch to celebrate everything that God has done. And in Acts 14 verse 27, you can hear the enthusiasm when it says, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. But Acts 15 begins with a a group of people in Antioch. They're trying to add something to salvation. False teaching begins to emerge as it so often does. And they started to say that unless you are circumcised, you cannot be saved. I was trying to think of like an equivalent uh, here in Australia. It might be unless you drive a Holden, you can't be an Australian. Some would agree with that, wouldn't they? Circumcision. I mean, let's be honest, how serious about our faith would we be today? You have to be circumcised to be saved. Of course, most of you are regular attenders here and you sort of know my quirky sense of... Got a blunt knife out the back. We could... If you're really serious about your faith today, I encourage you. No, not at all. You can imagine the kerfuffle that would have broken out back then. You can imagine the kerfuffle that would break out today. So Paul and Barnabas, they're sent to Jerusalem for this council meeting. The issue is all about Christian liberty over what we still face in the church today is quite often cultish legalism. 
This is the very thing that Christianity rises and falls on, uh, church. It's the distinguishing mark of the Christian faith that distinguishes it from all other uh, worldly religions, isn't it? Every other world religion is all about what you do to try to earn your favour with God. If I do this and I do that, maybe I'll be, I'll be good before God. But Christianity is all about understanding you could never be good enough for a holy God. You could never live up to God's standard. And so God sent his son to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. And so he died on the cross and three days rose again in that resurrection power that we just receive what he has done. And it's this gospel of God's grace. This was the hill that Paul was prepared to die on. It was so important an issue. And we today need to continue to proclaim the gospel of God's grace to this future emerging generation. It's something that we need to be willing to fight for to maintain our freedom in our salvation. Otherwise what happens is we start to think, what do I need to do? What do I need to add to what he has done on the cross for me? See, grace is just something you don't deserve. It's unmerited. You can't earn it. If it comes to you as a gift, if I give you a gift, you don't say, here, Andrew, here's that $25 for that gift. It's not a gift then, is it? You have, you have bought it. You have earned it. You now deserve it. But no, on the cross, Jesus gave us this free gift. It's something we can't earn. And yet it's something we got to continually wrestle to keep our heads around in his book Speechless living in the awe of God's disruptive grace Christian singer-songwriter Stephen Curtis Chapman said this in the gospel we discover we are far worse off than we ever thought and far more loved than we ever dreamed so if anybody asks you what's the distinctive characteristic of your Christian faith you have to be able to articulate to them the grace of God now as is so often in uh, the book of Acts in chapter 15 our author Luke he really just condenses the account of events when we get to chapter 15, it's easy just to read it through. But actually, this happens over a series of several months. And it's not just one sort of conversation or meeting that they have. It's actually three meetings. And while Luke condenses it, Paul expands upon it in his writings to the church at Galatia. And so we're going to use uh, some of his writings uh, from the book of Galatians to fill in the details. We're going to look at today at the dissension of people. We're going to look at the discussion and we're going to look at the decision. And I hope by the end of it, you can come to the same decision about the gospel of God's grace as the early apostles did. So let's have a look firstly at the dissension. Acts 15 verse 1. It begins, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Isn't it always the way? 
The gospel's going great. It's going global as it, as it uh, was declared in Acts uh, chapter 1 verse 8. And then all of a sudden, the church is faced with this doctrinal dilemma. People were teaching that Gentiles had to first become circumcised Jews in order to then come to Jesus. So the door of faith had been opened to the Gentiles and now, just as quickly, it was like it was getting jammed uh, shut, jammed shut in their face. You know, we uh, talk about the door of salvation, don't we? Yeah, the door of salvation is open to us. It's not a door that we open. It's a door that Jesus opened through his life, death, and resurrection. But here, it wasn't the door of salvation. It was the doors. You might have a screen door on your, your house. Yeah? Or maybe uh, some of you, do you have a porch? Yeah? The porch is the, the first door you open and you're inside, but you're not all the way inside, are you? You've got to go through another door. And that's what the, the Jewish people were trying to set up here. These doors of salvation. The outer door of Judaism to the inner door of Jesus. And sometimes we can think, well, what's the big deal with all of this? The big deal is it affects how you are saved. It affects your eternal salvation. It, it affects where you might end up eventually when you die. You see, grace is never this mixture of divine generosity and human effort. It's all the effort of God, unprompted, undeserved by anything that we do. And of course, the reality is God doesn't need any contribution from you in order to save you. It's all by grace, the scripture says, that you have been saved. Circumcision, of course, uh, is no longer an issue. We don't sort of say to people anymore in the church, well, you need to be circumcised to be saved. But we do have the very similar principles in churches today. There are, there are certain expectations that we might place on people. And so I think whenever there is a, a gathering of Christians, there's always this true and false representation of Christianity. I think there are millions of probably well-intending Christians across the planet who still have this false Christianity but thinking they have the true faith. There's always this idea of I've got to keep the rules to please God. Something, is there something in you? There's, there's something in me. I, I sometimes feel a little bit more uh, confident in my salvation if I've kept the rules and been, been good and that I'm sort of working to maintain that, that salvation. Folks, it's all about keeping these rules. That's what a legalist is all about. So you feel right with God if I've kept these rules. Are you a legalist? Probably a little bit. We've probably all got a little bit of something within us. And that's why we've always got to allow the Holy Spirit in us to keep pushing through uh, that, that part that wants us to stop and say, no, 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 I think I have to do this. I think the attitude can be summarized in this poem. Believe as I believe, no more, no less, that I am right and no one else confess. Feel as I feel, think only as I think, eat what I eat and drink what I drink. Look only as I look, do always as I do. Then and only then will I fellowship with you. Legalism puts you into bondage of a daily performance review, doesn't it? Was I a good Christian today? 
Let's see how many of the rules that I've made up did I keep. A legalist, I think, is the worst advertisement for the Christian life. It's always this bondage, isn't it? Oh, look at them. They can't do this and they can't do that. Uh, They have to do this and they have to do that. You see, when you understand that accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour is purely a work that he does, and there's nothing that you can really do to save yourself anymore... He's, he's done it all on, on the cross. You can't be saved, but, oh no, no, I'm saved and saved because I, I do all these special things. You see, the, the, the thing we've got to keep coming back to is once you understand that you can't live the Christian life, you, 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 have you been there? Have you, have you come to that point? I came to that point quite a while ago. You know, when you come to Christ, you know, as a young person... When you come to Christ full stop, uh, you think, right, you know, I'm going I'm to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to stop doing this, and I'm going to... Now, don't get me wrong, there's all of those great things, but they're not the things that keep you saved. It's the power of the cross that keeps you saved, and it's only when you understand that the Holy Spirit in you, I can't lift this thing on my own, but Christ in me, I allow him to work through me, and then suddenly I have this wonderful liberation in the grace of God. So Acts 15 verse 2. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. This is the thing that threatened to divide Christianity for all time. So Paul would teach the Galatians that it's not about keeping rules. It's about having this relationship. And out of that relationship is how you live. In his wonderful book, The uh, Ragamuffin Gospel, Brennan Manning, he wrote these words. Though lip service is paid to the gospel of grace, many Christians live as if only personal discipline and self-denial will mould the perfect me. The emphasis is on what I do rather than what God is doing. In this uh, curious process, God is a benign old spectator in the bleachers who cheers when I show up for morning quiet time. Sooner or later, we are confronted with the painful truth of our inadequacy and insufficiency. We discover our inability to add even a single inch to our spiritual stature. You see, there's two sorts of uh, faith systems in the world today. One is performance-based religion. How do I perform to be good and continue my salvation before God? And the other is a pardoned-based faith. And if you haven't figured it out yet, you're in the pardon-based faith category. It's based on God granting us guilty sinners a full and unconditional pardon based on our decision to make Jesus our Lord and Saviour. But look in uh, Galatians 1 verses 6 and 7. This is what Paul says. I am astonished that that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. That word deserting, it's a military term. It's like saying, hey, hang on a minute. You've walked into the kingdom. You're part of the kingdom of God over here. Salvation by grace through faith. But now you've deserted that and you've gone back to the kingdom of the world and you're trying to continue to earn and maintain that salvation. Which really, when you think about works, that's not good news at all, is it? 
The good news is that you're saved by grace and what God has done. It's bad news if you've got to maintain your own salvation. So Paul wants us to understand how desperate, how desperately we need God's amazing grace. Because this whole legalistic sort of system that quite often we we do see in many churches today actually puts us right back into the slavery that Jesus Christ died on the cross to set us free from. Yet there's something in our natural desire that makes us want to do something, isn't there? As I've just mentioned before. In the case of the Galatians, it was circumcision and works of the law. Dietary requirements, ceremonial laws that they had to uh, uh, keep up and, and maintain in order to keep that salvation. But we can do the same in church today. So this was no small issue. It was either salvation uh, uh, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, or there is no salvation at all. It's uh, one of those ones where we like to add something to it, and so we like to create a plan B. God has no plan B. This is the only way to come through faith. So Paul says in Galatians 1 verse 9, If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Anathema is the Greek word. And Paul is so serious about this. The Apostle Paul, he says, This is the sort of stuff that let that preacher go to hell. He should be condemned for what he is saying. So Acts 15 verse 2. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. And of course he unpacks it again in Galatians 2, 1 to 3. He tells us about these events. Uh, The other believer, he says there, I took Titus along also. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised. Pardon me. Funny old day, isn't it? Even though he was a Greek. So why did he bring Titus? Titus is exhibit A of Paul's gospel preaching. He believed, he was baptised, he received the Holy Spirit, but he was never circumcised and yet he's a full brother in Christ. So he's living proof that circumcision and Mosaic law are not essential for salvation. Verse 4, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. So upon arrival, this is their first meeting. Galatians 2.2, Paul says this, I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. You see, it's pretty important that we're on the same page when it comes to declaring what is this gospel we believe? Have you ever been, maybe certainly not in this church, but other churches? You go, what? Not quite too sure if that's the gospel. I have to be saved and do. I have to do. It's all about what Jesus has done. So often it's like a social gospel or a a legalistic gospel. You ever been in one of these legalistic churches? You know if you didn't wear the right clothes today. You know if you're sitting on the wrong side of the church or in someone else's. Oh my goodness. You know exactly what that is like. 
So it's important to make sure everybody's on the same page. Paul, Barnabas, Titus, they met privately with James and John and Peter. And they affirmed these apostles that indeed Paul was preaching the true gospel and it wasn't necessary at all for Titus to be circumcised as to live a life of a Jew. Galatians 2 verse 4 and 5. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy, to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. So these false brothers, they were destroying the Christian liberty. They wanted us to go back into slavery. You see, legalism always focuses on the standard rather than Christ. It focuses on on laws that we need to keep rather than in God's love. The amazing thing, you know, you look at these men, Paul, Peter, James, John, they write 21 of 27 New Testament letters. They write to a different audience in different places at different times and yet there is this uh, doctrinal harmony that everything flows together in unity around the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see you can't actually have unity in the church if we're not all preaching the true gospel of God's grace. Yet sadly there's a lot of issues in the church today that seem to divide us isn't there? We're trying to add different things to being saved. And quite often, most of them are sort of social matters. Most of them are are fringe matters that aren't essential for our salvation. Sometimes uh, we can very wrongfully judge people by external appearances. Surely if they're covered in tattoos, they can't be saved. We do it on what they drink or what they smoke or I mean I can't how could a vegetarian possibly be saved by the grace of God? That's just a vegetarian. You know, I remember in my uh, last church in Port Ferry, uh, I'd finished preaching and probably oh, I don't want to over exaggerate, but a dozen people would go out the front of the church. Well, I've got to be honest with you, as a young pastor, I was mortified, you know. I thought to myself, firstly, this is not a very good Christian witness. Secondly, it's not very good for their health. But you know what I come to realise? Uh, they were no less saved than the ones that remained in the church. It's, it's by grace you have been saved. Sometimes we can get our nose out of joint. If people don't dress as I dress and eat as I eat and drink as I drink, and then we start to go, yeah, hang on, I do feel a little bit like that sometimes one of the greatest preachers the world has ever known Charles Haddon Spurgeon used to love a big cigar he's not going to be in heaven is he no but we love to add something to it when Jesus has settled a guy by the name of uh, Duncan Hines He uh, came up with a cake mix and all you needed to do was add a cup of water. Did not sell any. They did uh, a survey to find out what was the problem with the cake mix. And you know what the problem was? People thought it was too simple. So he took it off the shelves, he repackaged it. You had to add an egg and half a cup of milk and they flew off the shelves like hotcakes. 
You see, just adding water was too simple. And it's the same true with our salvation, isn't it? We feel like we want to add a few things. But Paul makes sure that this big deal around circumcision doesn't divide us, but we've got to find the thing that unites us. So they gathered to consider the matter. The leaders of the church, they give three speeches. We have Peter, we have Paul and Barnabas, and then we have James, the half-brother of Jesus, who wraps it up with this compelling conclusion. So let's have a look at point two, the discussion. The discussion. We see the dissension here uh, from the believers in verse 5. It says, Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must, that's a, that's a command there, they must be circumcised and repent. Required to keep the law of Moses. Well, you understand, these, these people, these were actually people who were Jew. They come out of that heritage. But now they were born again believers. But instead of giving glory to God for the gospel of God's grace, they were demanding that they follow all of the Old Testament laws and dietary uh, requirements. In other words, while they believed in Jesus... They were still convinced that you had to first become a Jew. Verses 6 and 7. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. So here's Peter, he's going to stand up and he's going to defend the gospel of God's grace. Brothers, you know that some time ago, about 10 years ago in fact, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. And we know from Acts chapter 10, don't we? He went to Cornelius' house. Remember he had this revelation, you know, kill and eat, everything is clean, all of this stuff is done away way with and so he was at the house he's enjoying a ham sandwich and, and bacon and eggs every morning for breakfast but then these other brothers came and wanted to put the yoke of slavery back on him of course when he proclaimed the message to Cornelius we know that the Holy Spirit fell and they were saved verse 8 God who knows the heart isn't that so important? You know, I'm looking at you externally thinking, what are you doing wearing that? And God says, no, 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 I'm looking at the heart. This is what I see. This is, this is what I know. God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate isn't it good you know you worship a God who does not discriminate everybody can come to him for he purified their hearts by faith now then why do you uh, try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke listen to this that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear ever packed for a holiday yeah Maybe you're taking a trip overseas. First thing you do is you pack your bag, don't you? And you stack it full of stuff. It is chock-a-block because you think you're going to need all of that stuff when you're away. But if you've travelled as much as I have, the very first thing you do is you throw half of that stuff out because it's not going to be necessary. You see, legalism is like carrying uh, luggage. It loads you up with stuff that's not necessary. 
for your salvation. It weighs you down. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever dragged great big heavy bags from one airport to another, that's the most miserable thing you will ever do. You want to learn to pack light. But we love to load the Christian life up with stuff that weighs us 